Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. It was going to be the last hole. It was dark. The sun had set. It was dark. On television, it doesn't look dark. It's dark. So if you don't win there, and I have some intimate knowledge of this, when Adam Scott won the Masters, they were on the last hole that they could have played. They would have had to come back in the morning. Had they come back in the morning, I would not have been able to play played Augusta on the press lottery. Wouldn't and you'd still be trying it. to turn on the showers. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. I wouldn't have known how to do it. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Michael's memory is very frightening. He remembers everything. You do. You remember everything. Be careful what you say around me. <laughs> yeah, you remember everything. Before the show. <clears throat> so here's, I was, I was planning to talk. The entire open of the show, I was going to tell this Carbone's story. Carbone's is a restaurant in New York City. And a friend of mine, who will be nameless, had asked me to do him a favor and see if I could get his daughter and her husband into this place, Carbone's, in New York City, which I'd never heard of. And there's a, there's a long story involved in this, because it involves uh, Reality, and it involves Remnick, and it involves Pablo, it involves my friend Lisa Robinson. It's a long story. And I would have done that today, but we're shelving that until Friday at the earliest, to talk about the new nickname for the Washington football team. We all know the old nickname for the Washington football team does not fly anymore. Even though the owner said, I will never change the name. Write that in all caps. I will never change the name. And then he changed the name. And he came up with, or somebody came up with, the Washington football team, which most people, including myself, like. Do you like that nickname? A name that offered stability. Yes, I did. like. I grew to like it. And I don't want to like the team. Right. Yeah, I hated it at first, and I now I love it. Yes. I'm like, why, why, why would you change this? Because this... There is nobody in Washington... I shouldn't say nobody. A very small percentage of people in Washington don't like Washington football team. Most people do like it. It's really different. Nobody's got anything like this, and it makes you smile. Yeah. Because it's stupid, and it makes you smile. <laughs> Right, the name actually paired up quite nicely with the arrival of Ted Lasso and sort of our, our greater appreciation of soccer names and towns and yeah. the relationship of a team with the community. It's really nice. So instead, of course, because the Washington football team can't do anything right, <laughs> they have decided to rebrand completely. Now, I hold out hope that sometime today when this is announced, and I don't know who's going to announce it or when, I hold out hope that everything we've seen and read so far and heard so far is subterfuge. And that they will stay with Washington football team. I hold out hope. Small hope, but I hold out hope. What we have heard in the last couple of months, and let me, by the way, let me give them credit for one thing. Brilliant marketing to decide to unveil the new name on February 2nd, 2-2-22. Brilliant. Whoever came up with that should keep their job and get a raise. Everybody else should be fine. <laughs> okay. When they reveal the name six more years of... Tanking. Yeah, well, that, you know, the, the other names, there was at one point, it was leaked or sort of leaked or revealed or sort of revealed that it was going to be the admirals. And most people said, the admirals. And there Admiral were, name. There were an admirable name, but not for the football team here. All of them seemed to be military names. There was the admirals. There was the dumbest one of all is the armada. Yes. Because there's no ocean here. <laughs> There's a couple of rivers. It, it, you can't have an armada. You can't have an armada sailing into Washington, D.C. Was it an homage to Spain? I don't know. You can do it in Baltimore. Sure. Because they're on the bay. You can't do it here. It's a stupid name. Brigade, eh, another stupid name. Commanders, which seems to be the name it's going to be, another stupid name. Defenders, another stupid name. All, all, the name military. all the names that let you stay with the team song, but with an updated version, so right. that people who never wanted a name change could just subtly sing the old lyrics. Right, That's like right. the Red Hawks, I think they were looking towards Red that. Tails. Oh, Red Tails, I'm sorry, yeah. It's, I understand why people like it, because it's, as Roy Battelle served with that group of people at Tuskegee Airmen, I understand that, but it's not a great name. You know, you're trying to get the Red back into the old nickname. It's not a great name. None of them are great names. Washington football team is a great name. So now, what happened last night with News Channel 4? What did they do? Now, do you want to explain this? What did they do? Well, they took the News 4 copper, uh, or chopper, rather, and um, flew out to uh, the uh, uh, Washington Football Club facility. Just yeah. checking in on the traffic at FedEx Field. <laughs> right. yeah. and then, Make sure you leave early, kids. And then zoomed in inside the building so that you can see on the wall very clearly a mural, uh, and underneath that, in large letters, commanders. Okay. So that appears to be... 
the name. Okay. So yesterday, or the day before yesterday, Joe Theismann let it slip that it was going to be Commanders. He told CBS Sports Radio, this is a direct quote, I think the Commanders is a name that is going to be the one that hopefully people like going forward. And when somebody said, Joe, what are you doing? He said, oh, oh. And he then said, not completely sure what the new name is. No one has told me. These are direct quotes from Theismann. They're conflicting quotes from Theismann. Now, you might say that there has been, and this is how, why I hold out hope that it would be Washington football team. You might say that there was a conspiracy to sort of defraud the people by using this kind of subterfuge. And that Theismann was a willing agent of that because he loves the team so much. He's one of the greatest two or three stars the team has ever had. Absolutely. And he would be willing, it seems to me, to engage in the subterfuge, to keep the scent away from what's real. You're now entering PTI April Fool's territory. Okay, so but, but it <laughs> but looks yes, like commanders, yeah. right? It looks like commanders. Yeah. Now let me explain what's wrong with commanders. And let me give credit to somebody who I will be talking about a lot today, David Israel, my friend in California. Because when we talked the other day, David said, well, they're going to shorten the name to commies. To commies. <laughs> Let me explain how this works. When you have a really... Commanders is a three-syllable name. Like Timberwolves. Nobody refers to them as Timberwolves. They're the T-Wolves or the Wolves. Headline writers at newspapers, if your name's not Jets, okay, if it's more than one syllable, headline writers at newspapers shorten it and give you a new name. It's not going to be the comms. It's not going to be the mander. It's going to be the commies. In the capital of the free world, in Washington, D.C., the capital of the United States of America, where politics is everything, you're going to have a team nicknamed the commies. Was nobody smart enough to understand this? When somebody said commanders, did nobody say, oh, commies, are you sure we want to go that way? Are you sure we want to do the Red Scare from the 1950s? Are you sure we want to do that? It's a terrible name, right? It's a terrible name. Maybe that's going to be the name. You know what? I, I don't even know. I, the other thing I wrote down about this was I don't know how it's going to be revealed. But if it was up to me, I'd bring in the guy who does, we are all Caesars. I like Cooper. <laughs> Cooper's my Smooth. favorite. J.B. Smoot. I'd bring him in. We're all Caesars. And he could announce the name. It'd be a great partnership with Eastern Motors. Right. You know, this is right. Eastern Motors. This is a ter- It's terrible. It feels like it's a bad. It's terrible. It feels like a bad World Football League team name. You know, it's. I mean, by the way, the Admirals. That I was like, where have I heard it's that before? It's terrible. The Amsterdam Admirals. That was a team. That's at one terrible. Time. Yeah. No. All the military ones are terrible. I was hoping that when like Theismann let that slip. And we thought it was the Admirals, you know, a, a few weeks back. I thought these were that all. That wasn't tri- Theismann on the Admirals. No, that was wasn't. There was somebody else. But I thought those were all trial balloons. They're like, let's just sort of let it leak yeah. out and see how the people react. And if they hate it, then we'll go with another. Nobody hates it. <laughs> yeah, You've heard anybody say they like these nicknames? <laughs> terrible. Nobody liked the Wizards. When they changed from the Bullets to the Wizards, nobody liked the Wizards, and nobody likes it now. Yeah. You accept it? Oh, one of the things that. Better since they changed the colors. Okay. Yeah, and so, yeah and sort they of went played, back to red, white, and blue. Yeah, played up to the DC. Yeah, yeah that's fine. But we, it's not a great nickname, Wizards. It's alliterative, but it's not a great nickname. And by the way, they're not Wizards. They stink. <laughs> they don't ever make the playoffs. They're lousy. It's, and and I always say the wrong. I say the wrong name. I say the old name, and I have to stop myself when I say the old name. But these. Rebranding. There's a story in the Post about companies that have rebranded successfully. And they give a lot of examples. And I don't think they've rebranded successfully. I don't really think they've rebranded successfully at all. You know, I mean, that's somebody else's judgment. It's not mine. Like like full name or just logo? Full name, you know. And they talk about, for example, what was Uncle Ben's Rice. Right. And now it's Ben's Rice. Okay. It's Ben's. Let's not let's not go crazy and say they're selling out. You know, you can't find it on the shelves. It's Ben's rice. The people that buy the rice buy the rice. Right. That's how it works. You know, there have been rebrands that have been terrible. New Coke. Oh. It's terrible. It so Went fun. down the drain. Yeah. I mean, let's let's not overthink it. Commanders is a bit. Am I wrong? 
No, it was a bad name. No, it's terrible. And I had Admirals that. is a bad name. Armada is a ridiculously stupid name. Brigade is a bad name. <laughs> to the point, you just wish you just wish they didn't tease you with two years of WFT, where they it's went to the playoffs one year and right. should have gone the second. It's a good even with name. No quarterback. Yeah. It turns out it was. Has a really anybody good name. stood on the corner and demanded it be dropped? No. Now they might say you got used to that name and people were yelling at the at WFT when it first came out. But the one thing that can change all this is if they actually go out and win. They win. <sighs> You know, when they get Jimmy Garoppolo next yeah. year, when San Francisco says, we drafted this kid third, Trey Lance, we're going with him. Who wants Jimmy? <laughs> you know, and Washington will want Jimmy. I'm just, I'm trying to picture in my head the the. the it's play not a good story as Carbones. The Carbones is a much better story. Than I can't this. wait to hear that. Yeah, much can you just story. imagine all those people you're talking about at one dinner together, Remnick, Reali, the unnamed Pablo, diner. and then yeah. the person for whom we tried to do this favor. I mean, I got into it. That'd be a great day. I mean, I really got into it. <laughs> so... I now have a list of the best three Italian restaurants in New York City, though. It's a good list to have. Yeah. yeah. Right. Try the ravioli. We'll get out of here. Try the veal. We're here all week. <laughs> That's the line. Uh, <laughs> we, it's such an old line. It's like an Uncle Milty line. <laughs> it feels sex. a little vaudevillian, yeah. Um, we will get out of here now. Uh, we will have Bob Ryan when we return to talk about Tom Brady and later in the show, Kevin Blackestone, to talk about the, uh, the class action suit filed by Brian Flores, which caught a lot of us, you know, unguarded yesterday like i found out about that maybe four o'clock we're supposed to start taping if people are on time at 4 30 and we found out we had to switch the whole show around it's fine but that was i had no idea that was coming and i booked kevin in before that so we can even talk about that that's our show today i'm tony kornheiser you're listening to the tony kornheiser show this is the Freshly Read. Food that's fast does not have to be fast food. Freshly offers quality meals without the hard work. Their meals are designed by nutritionists, cooked by chefs, then delivered fresh. Other meal deliveries need to be prepped and cooked, but Freshly is ready to eat in three minutes. No one wants to spend an hour cooking dinner after a rough day at work or an infuriating commute. At the end of a long day, takeout doesn't have to be your only option for an easy dinner. Whether it's for you or your whole family, Freshly gives you convenience, flavor, and nutrition. I'm just going to go off book and say that a lot of... A lot of companies do this now, and I recommend this because although you're not cooking, these are fresh meals. I mean, these are good meals. I, you may not like all of the meals, but they're going to be meals that you like a lot, and you're going to find the convenience is very good, and you're going to find peace of mind that you're eating a real meal, <laughs> that you're not just sticking some leftover piece of bread in a toaster oven and slathering it with something. No, no. Crust of bread. Get delicious chef-made, nutrient-packed meals delivered straight to your door. No cooking required. Fresh, never frozen. Ready to heat and enjoy in just three minutes. Use the Freshly website or app to find meals that fit your lifestyle with plans that work for your dietary needs, preferences, tastes, and family size. There's over 50 nutritionist design entrees, like steak peppercorn, and masterful mac and cheese or plant-based meals, if you're into that. Skip the grocery shopping and the dirty dishes. Your meals arrive cooked and fresh every week. New meals are added weekly, so you're never stuck eating the same thing over and over. Stop stressing about dinner right now. Freshly is offering listeners to this high-quality podcast $40 off your first two orders when you go to Freshly.com slash Tony K. That's $40 off at Freshly.com slash Tony K. Use the code. Don't be an idiot. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. Don't you want to go down, down to the quarter, down to the quarter? It's calling us to come on down to hear the music play. This is sent to us by Stephen Randall, who writes, The day walkers have returned to Bourbon Street as well as traveling when possible to spread, spread the word of Louisiana music and culture. Down to the quarter is a love note to all who haven't had a chance to visit our fair city or have had their return postponed by the chaos. It was written and recorded during the 364-day break we had from our house gig. The video for this song is on YouTube, can be found by searching down to the quarter daywalkers. Maybe it will entice Mr. Carville to venture down from the Garden District and regale us with stories of Mr. Latelet or boarding commercial flights. <laughs> Stephen Randall, the Republic of New Orleans. This is wonderful. It's great, isn't it? You know, and it, it is so evocative of going down there to get Bainois, is that what they're called? Those those cakes with the... Bob Ryan joins us now, the quintessential American sports writer. What are those things called? Beignets, beignets, beignets Bob? Beignets. They beignets in New yes. Orleans? Is that what they're called? 
Yes, you must go to Café du Monde. It's a must. Du Monde. Yes. Yeah, that's right in the French Quarter. And that's Just where everybody thing, goes. Don't wear, don't wear black. Because of white powdered sugar. That's right. right. Don't wear black. But other than that, go get them. Yeah. Beignets. That's what they're called. They're wonderful. They're fried they are, bread. They're terrific. Yeah. Fried cake. All right. We wanted to have Bob Ryan on because of, of Tom Brady uh, retiring. Tom, Eric Rydon pointed this out to me the other day. Tom Brady's career, PTI bookends his career. Like Tom <laughs> Brady, Tom Brady gets drafted in 01 or 00. When was Brady drafted? He becomes a player of consequence in 01, right? And he becomes when, a player of consequence in 01. He's drafted in 00. He sits right. on the bench, unknown to 98% of us in the 2000 season. Right. And then he becomes a big star in, in 01. PTI launches in 01. Mm-hmm. We're done now. We're clowns now. And Brady's out. Let, let's look. Let me get to, I think, what is the most important question for me. Tom Brady's not retiring because of any diminution in talent. He led the league in touchdown passes and passing yardage. The last time we saw him, he'd gotten his team from 327 to even and going to overtime if anybody bothered to guard Cooper Cup. So it can't be because he can't play. Bob, why do you think he's retiring? It's an interesting uh, question. Uh, He turns out to be a poor prophet because he declared back in 2015 when he was talking about going till he was 45 that he would quit when he started to suck. And as you just pointed out, that never happened. And it never happened to the point where he may very well be the MVP this year. Uh, Yeah, that's the great $64,000 question. We don't know for sure. It could be a combination of the fact that he really is enraptured with the idea of being this entrepreneur, uh, the TB12 brand. uh, He has plans. uh, He he maybe thinks he can save mankind and make everybody fit and healthy and and, and love avocado ice cream. Maybe he's finally succumbing to the wishes of his his wife, Giselle, who is known to have been hoping that he would uh, quit uh, going way back. Uh, maybe he has some kind of uh, feeling about it's time he does something more with his children. Uh, his oldest boy, older boy, is 14 um, now. Uh, it could be a lot of things. And also, also Tony, uh, this could, we could be you know burying the lead here with a team facing uh, a roster change in which about half the team literally is a free agent. He may be thinking, and this has been postulated by many people, that the team next year won't be up to his standard and he's not going to be a part of it. So go to Denver. Go to Denver. <laughs> yeah, go somewhere else. All right. So I, I mean, the answer is nobody knows unless he will sit down. And he will speci- if he will really articulate it and specify it, A, B, C, D, E for us, until he does, then we're all guessing. I know that Wilbon says he's bored by this, and he says it's a story, but he wants to move on from it. I'm going to say this, that, that Bob understands. Tom Brady was always a this-year, next-year guy. He never, ever, ever even considered the possibility that he couldn't play, right? Never. No, he didn't have – his downs weren't very down, and his ups were enormous. And, uh, and then, you know, just think how you're buoyed, that's B-U-O-Y-E-D, by what happened last right. year. I mean, um, right. Imagine, to go to the, the fairy tale story of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and him going to the Super Bowl uh, and winning a Super Bowl, with seventh uh, one. Um, yeah, no, it, it, there's no reason – and he follows that up with an even better technical season, uh, though they don't win, but uh, it's never the quarterback's uh, full responsibility. And keep this in mind. I'm, I'm rambling. Keep this in mind. All the Super Bowls uh, with, uh, in Boston uh, could have gone either way, every last one of them. Uh, he could be zero. He could have been zero and nine instead of six and three. They easily could have won the three that they lost. And and, and both those Giants games, he turned the game over. He turned the game over to his defense and say, "Okay, hold them, That's right. and we'll start That's celebrating." Right. And it didn't happen. He came That's very right. close. He could have gone. I mean, he he almost always gave them a chance to win. That's what I think. So you know, I am I am informed by a friend of mine, Art Fusillo, and when we talked about he's he's involved with the ownership. He knows the Lerner family very well, the ownership of the Nationals. And we had this conversation uh, in Rehoboth Beach during the summer when Max Scherzer and Trey Turner were traded to the Dodgers. And I understood why Max Scherzer was traded. I didn't understand Trey Turner at all. I looked at him and said, why did this happen? And he said, ask yourself if they know something, meaning the team, that Mm -hmm. you don't know. Mm -hmm. And so I'm asking you about Brady. Is there something you think is going to come out that we don't know 
that's going to that's going to change why he did this. No, I, I, I doubt that. I, I, right. I'll go. You never say never, and, and I think we've all lost, lost the capacity for shock uh, in many ways in sports. But uh, I, I, I don't have any idea what that might be. So I'm going to say I, I doubt it. Okay. How is he regarded right now in Boston? Is he beloved? Uh, a lot less than is he was mixed? 24 hours ago. You are aware of the incredible uproar that is taking place here over the Tell fact us. that in a nine-page Instagram announcement, he made no mention of Boston. The, the organization, the teammates, the fans, nobody. And, and that, is, that is the topic A up here today. Why do you think he did that? Well, He's a smart guy. That, that, that's... Uh, that's the subject of speculation. Is he? Is he? Is this the final payback uh, to Bill? And and uh, because he uh, felt that he was discarded. Uh, and as he started nurturing a grudge going as far back as as, as the day that uh, Garoppolo was drafted. And 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 I have long maintained, among many others, that Bill Belichick was ready to move on at that point uh, after taking a look at Garoppolo, did not want to make that trade, uh, reluctantly made a trade, and made sure that he did, when he did trade Garoppolo, it would be to a good home, in a sense. But anyway, we don't know, but it is, it is you can, it's, it's, it's an uproar. Uh, it, it, it's now one of the uh, small, uh, weak, weak rationalizations is well, when he left Boston two years ago, he made all those statements. He made all those, you know, said all the good proper goodbyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But on the day of your retirement, to go rhapsodizing and thanking everybody, including the you know the equipment manager and, and, and the parking lot attendant, and I'm not being facetious. Everybody imaginable in, in Tampa and that making no mention of, of, of Boston, uh, it's not going over well. He's st- so um, he, he spoiled. He is spoiling his image here right now. I don't know what his relationship is with Belichick. I don't imagine it's all that good, but I always thought he had a great relationship with Kraft. Is it possible he doesn't? No, that's stunning. Because Bob Kraft reiterated that he felt he was the surrogate, a, a surrogate son to go yeah. along with the sons he actually does have. And Kraft, uh, I, we don't, we, we'd, I'd love to, you know, like to know what Bob Kraft will, will tell you this morning. He, 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 how can he not be hurt? Uh, I, I would think uh, he, 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 this is not going over well there either. I, it's, it's, it's really inexplicable. Uh, someone should have stopped it. And he had a chance to make an amends yesterday, and he, and he, and he sent out a, a weak little thing, didn't even, with, with emojis and, and love you all, and that's it. It wasn't even a, a, a complete sentence. So that, that made it even worse. This can't be Boston. It's got to be Belichick, right? It's, it's got, that's got, you're thinking it's got to be personal towards Belichick? Well, I, I, you know, something, they, they had a 25-minute nice kissy face, supposedly, when he came to Boston this year. But right. uh, as I pointed out to you, uh, he did not leave happily uh, he was, he, he, uh, in that regard. So, once again, you, you know, the fans treated him royally, obviously, for all those years, and properly so. Yes. So uh, yes. it can't be anything against the fans directly. Uh, let me get to a, a, a larger question here. I tried to do this yesterday on the PTI show. And that's to make the case that he's the greatest team athlete of all time because it's harder to win in football than any other sport because of the nature of single elimination playoffs, because you're not on the field, you know, for more than half the time. So you don't have the direct influence that you do in basketball or hockey, not so much in baseball because you're off the field half the time. And the seven and the 10 dwarfs everybody else's numbers in that particular sport. Wilbon, of course, will make the case for Jordan, but Jordan's got six. He's got six. And Jordan's second act in Washington, we're nowhere near, Bobby, uh, Tom Brady's second act in Tampa. And I came down to, like, the, I guess that the only person I would say maybe I couldn't put him over is Bill Russell. These are that Boston is the guys. Uh, that is the what only question. Now, yeah. fully recognizing that Russell's time and place were entirely different, that he started yeah. out in an 18 league and ended up in a 14 yeah. team league, uh, and the, the, the world was different, and, and the playoff format was, was different, and so on and so forth, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the, uh, the one thing I always point out to people, uh, it just as a conversational point, if you have an 18 league, the talent is concentrated better. Uh, the best 80 players in the world were in the NBA. There was a strict, there was a hard, it was a concentration of talent. Uh, so, in that sense, it, 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 it might be harder in, in that regard. Obviously, when you have to win additional playoff series every time you play, there's a chance you can lose. 
I said, but it is Russell. Russell, so people, I'll say it, I'll happily point out that from 1955 to 1969, Bill Russell competed for 16 championships, two NCAAs and Olympics and 13 NBAs. It just so happened his team won 14 of those, and it wasn't a coincidence that he was on those teams. And the, one of the ones they lost, he was hurt. And in 58, they easily would have won over the Hawks uh, and Pettit, et cetera, if, if he had not been hurt. So you've got you to gotta just have him in this conversation. I, I do, and, and, I, and it always makes me wonder, because when you recite things like that, it makes me wonder how easy it is for people to just not even consider that he's the greatest basketball player of all time. Nobody well, thinks that, he's the greatest. topic could be entirely because right. uh, I always have, when we get into the discussion, greatest achiever, yes, uh, because the greatest basketball achiever of all, though, is Kareem, starting in high school. Nobody was more prominent in all three phases of the game, high school, college, and pro, than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Bill Russell, uh, high school, uh, is not noted, it's not famous or anything else. Kareem was the most right. famous high school player of, of the 60s. Right. So, um, yeah, uh, it, but then you're talking about centers, and centers are, have an entirely different job description. Uh, you can't have a, a point guard. It's got to be a mid-sized player, as all around passing, shooting, rebounding, dribbling, defending, and and uh, and that 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 that's the centers out, lets the point guards out, and then we stick it to the two people that we always have the conversation on. If you like Le- LeBron or if you like Michael. Oh, I would take Jordan over LeBron. I mean, Jordan's, well, I, I would uh, say, you know, it's funny when you analyze the the, the skill set. LeBron is bigger, stronger, faster, better passer. Obviously, one of the greatest passing forward next to Larry Bird yeah. ever, and. Yeah. Uh, and yet, uh, if I'm playing for my life tonight, and we'd all seem Jordan. to agree, you want Michael Jordan because he's a ruthless competitor. There were no yeah buts about his, his competitive juices that we, where we all know LeBron had to dig out from a couple of poops in 2010 and 11 to restore his, his dignity. So, do you, so you have Russell 1 and Brady 2 of greatest team athlete ever? Well, I think, I think it's, um, I'm going to say they're different. I'll go you know, equal. Isn't it funny? They both played in Boston. We're so lucky yes. here, Tony. It's just incredible. Yes. We're so lucky. Yeah. You guys in Boston, Mass, since 1925 when Eddie Shore showed up, and, and including World War II when, when Williams was in the Army and Milt Schmidt was in the Army, we have never lacked for a first ballot Hall of Famer in any of the four sports at any given point in time. No other city can make that statement. And it's, the one we have right now is Patrice Bergeron, in case you're wondering. And, and uh, we, we have never lacked for one. We've been so blessed. And people here, I, I always preach it. You know, I hope you appreciate how good, how lucky we've been. Thank you, Bobby. As always, appreciate it. Okay, Tom. Bye-bye now. Bob Ryan, boys and girls. By the way, I wanted to add this because he was talking about how um, Tom Brady was going to go into that TB12 stuff. Peter Melman yesterday wrote me a note saying, I hope next year at this time he weighs 350 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was funny. Um, By the way, do we do some breaking news? It is official. It is the commanders. Oh, okay. So that's like, what, 15, 20 minutes after we said what we said? Yes. It's a bad name. (laughs) Bad name. We'll take a break. Kevin Blackestone will join us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the X-Chair ad. From the moment you sit in an X-Chair, your body will immediately say, ah, so this is what a real office chair is supposed to feel like. I add parenthetically, I'm sitting in one now. Can your current office chair give you a massage while you're working? (laughs) X-Chair can. Can your current office chair heat up or cool down? X-Chair can. It's all in the LMAX massage and temperature regulation, exclusively designed and made for X-Chair. And once you feel the customized support of X-Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar, or DVL, your back will never be happy in any other chair again. High performance, quality engineering, extreme comfort. Those are all reasons to love the X-Chair. Go ahead and try X-Chair for yourself, risk-free for 30 days. And once you realize how much better your chair should be, you're never going to go back. Go to xchairtony.com now. That's the letter X, chair, T-O-N-Y, dot com, or call 1-844-4-X-CHAIR for $100 off your order. X-CHAIR has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. xchairtony.com. And again, use the code. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Andy Clark writing us, otherwise known as Maddie Clark's father, and I've attached another song for all of you. Maddie's latest single is called Rose, There He Goes Again, and was actually written seven years ago when she was 16. A teenage rumination on jealousy, comparison, heartache, and loss. It features in the words of one music blogger a classic rock vibe with relatable storytelling and a passionate vocal delivery, not to mention cool percussion, lush horns, and a title 
uh, in the esteemed tradition of I can't get no satisfaction because it has parentheses in it. You know, it's available in all the regular places. How'd you like to have a child with this kind of talent? If I'm Andy Clark, I stop working. <laughs> I'm living off this kid. Michael, if people like Maddie Clark, who writes this beautiful music and sings it, sends us stuff, how does she do it? Well, thanks for that toss, Dad. I'm sorry I let you down somewhere <laughs> along the way. Great golfer. Uh, please you send your music to jingles at com, and hopefully you can make your dad proud. <laughs> I walked into that one. That was a mistake for me. Well, let me describe uh, how we decided uh, our next guest, how Kevin Blackestone got on the show. Yesterday, I don't know, around 9 or 10 o'clock, I was thinking about who should be on the show. And I noticed that there was, you know, there was the Harbaugh talk about how Harbaugh was going to be the coach at Minnesota. And nobody, nobody can argue Harbaugh. Harbaugh was 44-19-1 and went to a Super Bowl in the NFL. There's no argument against Jim Harbaugh going back to the NFL at any team. There's just no argument, so don't even start. But I thought, okay, so this is... There are nine openings, and then all the people who have been hired already are white. No black people have been hired. And I said, well, let's talk about that. And I thought Kevin Blackstone would be good to talk about that. He writes about these subjects a lot in the Washington Post, and I know Kevin, and I like Kevin. So I called him, and I said, would you be on the show? And he said, yeah. And then, what was it, Kevin, about three, four hours later? That's right. Three or four and hours then, later, Brian, yeah, Brian, Brian Flores files a lawsuit. You know, drops out of what? the sky. Yeah. And he uh, files a lawsuit. Amazing. Yeah. And, and so all of a sudden you have to remake everything. So I'm really happy that, that he's going to be on the show. And then I get, I get this note yesterday. I, I saw it this morning from, you know, David Israel, right? He's a Northwestern boy. Yep. You know him. He's older than you, but he's brilliant. He's, a legend. he's yes. absolutely brilliant. So David says, I want to be on the show. And I said, I got Kevin. He's your boy from <laughs> Northwestern. David goes, oh. So he writes me. <laughs> He writes me, he said, I think the only way Flores settles if there is if there are substantial affirmative action positions negotiated out by his attorneys and implemented by the NFL, he's going to get paid, too. But for him, this is a matter of principle. And this isn't analogous to Kaepernick. This is analogous to Kurt Flood. Kaepernick was protesting police brutality. Flood, like Flores, was taking on the restrictive, discriminatory hiring policies of his, of his employer. This is a serious landmark case, David writes. The percentage of black head coaches compared to the total number of black coaches working the league is so small as to be mathematically implausible. Less than 10% this season, less than 3% now. There are only three owners in the NFL history clean on this, David writes. Al Davis, who hired Art Shell and broke the barrier. The Roonies, who've employed Mike Tomlin for 15 years. And Mike Brown, who employed Marvin Lewis for 16. But Mike follows in his father's footsteps. Paul integrated pro football with Marion Motley and a couple of other black players on the initial AAFC Cleveland Browns after the war. And historically, I, I would assume, Kevin, that we agreed down the line with, with David's points. And, and so the first question is, when you, when you heard of the Flores lawsuit, what was your reaction? Well, first of all, I had to come to because I fell through the floor and knocked myself out. Um, <laughs> this is a lawsuit that Johnny Cochran, uh, Cyrus Mary right here in D.C., um, were threatening 20 years ago when they brought data to the NFL after having sued Coca-Cola over discriminating, uh, dis discriminatory hiring practices um, and said, you all have the exact same problem, too, uh, and unless you uh, do something to rectify it, we're going to bring a similar lawsuit. And so nothing has changed for two generations. Sure, we've had ebbs and flows of black men being hired as coaches and as GMs in the league. Um, but it has never leveled out. It has never progressed to the point where you don't think that systemic racism in this league um, ha has gone away. And so that's where we are right now. And can I curse on a podcast? <laughs> no, no, you can on some, but not on mine. No, we'll just bleep it if you want to do I, well, it. Well, I'll okay. just say this. You know, uh, the, the history of, of black people in, in this country, the progeny of enslaved Africans, has been we have not gotten anything um, unless we threaten to burn stuff down or unless we actually burn stuff down. And Johnny Cochran threatened to burn something down. And he got something out of it. 
Uh, Brian Flores has taken the next step. Uh, he has thrown the Molotov cocktail into the boardroom of the NFL, and it's exploded. And now they're going to have to figure out, figure out a way to put out the flames. So I'm going to get to something here. This is not somebody <clears throat> with a bad record nope. in football. Nope. This is not you, Jackson, was 1-31. and 31. Yep. So you can say, who's going to hire you, Jackson? This guy had winning record last year and winning record the year before. He was 10-6 and six in Miami and then had a terrible start and reversed it and ended up Eight and seven or nine and eight or whatever it was that he was. He's got a winning record. He is physical proof <clears throat> that black coaches are hired last and fired first. He I mean, took this... over a garbage program and yeah. turned it into a winner and almost got into the playoffs. He Brian Flores is extremely representative of NFL um, of black NFL coaches. Or let's say representative of black football coaches, including power five college football coaches. The opportunity that they get, they have to take, even though it's on, it's in the worst possible situation, because they're not going to get offered a good job. Um, yeah, and so and Brian Flores did that, and he yeah. won, and he did that despite an owner who wanted to financially incentivize the team to lose. Now, imagine what Brian Flores would be like if he didn't have to put up with Stephen Ross saying, I want you to tank football games so we can get a better position in the draft. He would be Hugh Jackson, and he would never that, be able to work in this league because his resume yeah. would stink. So what it, happens it, it is, is, a, it is a pernicious cycle, and, and I should also say this, we're, we're really paying attention to the NFL, and we should over this, but this is representative of what black folks go through in corporate America. There is study after study that shows the exact same thing. Um, last hired, most likely to be fired early, you do not get paid, you do not get compensated the same as a white person um, doing the same job with the same credentials or even better credentials. And that's Kevin, exactly what has happened here. This is reflective of society. It's like in Jurassic Park, the black actor is always the first to get killed. <laughs> there <laughs> you go. In, that's this right. is what happened. So, now, so this leads into something. And then there are a lot of reasons that, that coaches are fired. And sometimes owners don't like them. Right. Dan Snyder did not like Norv Turner. Didn't like him. Did not like him and waited for the first opportunity where he could justify firing him after a loss at home and fired him. And I know because I was there. So this happens. It's possible Steve Ross didn't. He hired Brian Flores. You ought to get credit for that. He didn't like him. It's possible. Right. It's possible. These things happen. So now you get into the larger issue of fairness here. These things should not be in conflict, but they are in conflict. I believe that a person who owns a business ought to be allowed to hire someone to run the business who he wants. I believe that. I believe he should not be told who he has to hire. By the same token, I can't find anything other than a systemic pattern here in the people who are denied the ability, or not denied the ability, denied the job. Denied the job. How How do we reach the proper middle ground on those things. What's the solution? Well, I'll point to the lawsuit, and I urge everyone to read it. It's 58 pages. It's brilliantly um, put together. It includes uh, historical data. It includes um, dramatic scenes. And it includes, in the very beginning, a quote from Martin Luther King. And the quote is, Morals cannot be legislated but behavior can be regulated. The law cannot make an employer love me, but it can keep him from refusing to hire me because of the color of my skin. So I I point that out because I know I've said things about the Rooney Rule and other people have said things about the Rooney Rule, dismissing the Rooney Rule. The Rooney Rule is fine. The The Rooney Rule is a good remedy. The Rooney Rule works. The problem is the people behind the Rooney Rule. 
So you can't make them do the right thing, but you can certainly come up with some sort of regulations to behoove them to do the right thing. But you don't want to disincentivize somebody. You know know what I mean? You don't want to punish somebody. For example, what I said earlier about Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. Anybody should can hire Harbaugh, and sure. if you hire Harbaugh, you shouldn't be penalized for right. He, he, you shouldn't you be should, penalized. No, you should not be penalized for hiring Harbaugh, but you should be penalized for not giving Brian Flores a similar opportunity or the same opportunity to prove himself. Right? right. I mean, this league is proof of that. As as Brian Flores reminds in his in his lawsuit, the reason. This league reintegrated itself after 13 years of segregation between 1933 and 1946 wasn't altruistic. It was because the L.A. Coliseum had federal funds tied to it that denied the Rams the right to play there if, in fact, their team was, was, was segregated. And the same for the NFL. And you know, and people know right here in Washington, D.C., that the only reason the Washington football team, then under the the racist name Redskins, integrated as the last team in the NFL to do so was because the federal government threatened not to let them play in a federally funded stadium, new stadium at that time, called D.C. Stadium. So so once again, um, you can hire who you want to, but to deny other people the opportunity to be hired cannot be tolerated. And we have laws in this country um, that don't necessarily apply to private employers, but certainly the NFL, the NBA, they build stadia and arenas um, heavily funded by taxpayer dollars. And I think that can be held, um, held as, uh, as some sort of cudgel over the leagues and over owners to do the right thing when it comes to hiring. It's just, it's so... The whole thing is so obviously wrong. It's just yeah. so obviously wrong, yeah, but it's the remedy. So, I'm, yeah, I'm, thank you for saying all of those things. I was, I'm sure you felt the same way because you said it. Totally floored by this lawsuit. I, I, T- it's, totally it is, floored. It is stunning, and I ran it past um, some lawyers I, uh, who are friends of mine who work in this area of employment discrimination, and they were all just shocked by... Uh, the details um, that, that came. How, how about the Bill Belichick email, which set yeah, this whole th- thing off? That he thought it was he thought it was Brian Flores and it was Brian Dayball. And it's Brian and Dayball. Flores hadn't and, even and been basically, interviewed. and basically he exposes he exposes the fact that the New York Giants are using the Rooney Rule as cover and had no yeah. intention at all of hiring Brian Flores. And so, you know, one of the things I did uh, uh, last night is I went back and read um, stories in the New York papers about the coaching search for, uh, for the New York Giants. And those reporters have got to be ticked off because they were lied to. Yeah. They were lied this to, is... and the fans were lied to. You Brian said it's Flores a... said no shot, and to his credit, he goes to at the interview. You um, said it was 58 pages, the lawsuit? Let me just say this. Let me say this out loud. It's a brilliant. This didn't happen overnight. This did not happen overnight. This this has been in the planning for a while, right? I'll tell you. Yeah, I'll tell you a theory that I heard. Uh, A friend of mine said that it is quite possible. He said that probably what happened was this particular lawsuit. This this particular um, uh, uh, law firm. was, had pieced this together. Sure, and they, they were waiting just for the waiting right guy. For waiting for the face. Yeah, yeah. They, were, they, they were waiting for somebody to, to, to step up to the plate. What would you say that, I know I, everybody says the same thing, that this means that Brian Flores will never get a job in the NFL. I don't think that's true. I think he's hireable. What do you think? His resume certainly makes him hireable. Now, the, the question is, is whether or not he is toxic uh, to the league like Kaepernick, and um, and nobody will hire him. If if no one hires him now, you talk now. He's got another lawsuit. It's called yeah. collusion. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. got a lo- he's got a he's got an interview coming up today or tomorrow down in Houston 
where they fired a guy after one year who had a broken down roster from a because his quarterback was facing twenty some sexual harassment lawsuits and couldn't play in the NFL. It's just it's unbelievable that he even won four games and that team was competitive. It's totally unbelievable. That was one of the, of the places. That was one of the places I thought Brian Flores could work because the GM and he worked together in Boston. Yep. So I thought that might actually happen. Oh, and yeah. that and and it's, it's, stuff happens in the NFL that is Deshaun Watson. Everybody says, well, where is he going to be traded? Are you people kidding? <laughs> right. He's not playing if, until these lawsuits are settled, and he may never play. That, am I right, Kevin? This is insane when it, people talk about Deshaun Watson. Insane. Yeah, it is. I don't, I don't see he's not, he's not tradable. He's not a, a There's 22 commodity. lawsuits. Right. right. <laughs> until, until, that's, until that's dealt with, he, he, he won't be in the NFL. Wilbon and I sit there as people bring up story ideas about where Deshaun Watson might play. We go, what are you talking about? Right. Well, seriously, what are you talking about? Anyway, right. thank you, Kevin. Thank Thanks you. for waking take up. Care. Kevin Blackstone, boys and girls. We'll take a break. Email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening, You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Mr. Tony's mailbag. I want to read some for all of your folks. Big Star Wednesday. It's <laughs> Darius Rucker. Big Star Wednesday. I want to go to a concert. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah well, Remember those? Yeah. It's a long time ago. I sit around with people not wearing masks, singing right in your face so you can get a respiratory illness. Want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Yes, thank you. I really want to go to dinner at some point. It's two years. Um, you know, I, 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 I miss it. But hanker to go to the Palm. I miss it. Really would love a good steak there. The boys uh, might get shots in a month or so. That would be great. There you go. That would be great. Uh, Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. Bootsy gets the booster. Boots chapter Boots two. Booster, yes. Uh, BethesdaBagels.com for the location of the D.C. area nearest you. Pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That's it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, and when I die and they lay me to rest, going to go to the place that's the best. When they lay me down to die, going up to the spirit in the sky. That is the definition of a one-hit wonder. It's Norman Greenbaum. That's a great song. It is. He didn't do anything after that that anybody remembers at all. And that's a great song. I think I read some place that he became an organic farmer. I think a goat farmer. A goat farmer, is I, that what I it think was? so, yes. Thanks to our guests today, Bob Ryan and Kevin Blackstone. Thanks as well to today's sponsors, X-Chair and Freshly. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Plot Podcasts, please leave us a review. From Alan Keck in the 20024. During last Wednesday's show, I kept anticipating an inspired rant that I was sure was coming. Ever since I saw the news scroll on the bottom of ESPN, I was looking forward to your input. But sadly, amongst talks of crypto, Sean Payton, and Brad, and a monkey making bets, there was nothing. I, of course, am talking about the hated Stony Brook Seawolves, getting the coveted invitation to the Colonial Athletics Association. I mean, who do they think they are? They're willing to break a storied rivalry for, with Binghamton for what? You think Hofstra will give you the same level of animosity that Binghamton ever did? And don't even get me started on the snub from the CI, CAA. Binghamton, as we all know, used to be called the Colonials, for goodness sake. What could be a more natural fit? I'll hang up and listen and wait with bated breath for whatever plan you and Harvey Stenger have to put together to put this right, to right this wrong. Stony Brook and the CAA, come on, man. I don't care where they go. You know, if they want to go to the CAA, if they think that's an advancement for them, good. I'm good with that. I believe we play Stony Brook tonight. I hope we beat them, but Stony Brook's better than we are. Eh, we'll see. We lost to UMBC the other day. Yeah, lost by, two. by two. By two. From Patrick Sitter in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, I find dumping the contents of a 16-ounce jar of Duke's mayonnaise into the pot of boiling eggs generally does the trick <laughs> for easy peeling. Yeah, that's thanks. Slippery. Yep, that's a good From memory. Brian Rigsby in Elon, North Carolina, with Just all this talk layer. about cooking eggs, I finally had to chime in. The emailer is talking about putting the eggs in the water after boiling and then cooling in ice water or correct. That works well. I used this method for years until I found the revolution toaster of egg cookers. The Cuisinart Egg Central Cooker is so much better and easier. It can cook up to 10 eggs at a time. It only uses a small cup of water and you do not have any shells break open like you sometimes do when boiling them. The shells come off perfect every time. It also has an automatic timer. The price is $40, which for an egg cooker is high, but you will save that in water usage. That is as long as it's not used in Rehoboth Beach. Surely, Mr. Tony, if you can pay 300 for a toaster, you can get an egg cooker for 40 bucks. I could. 
I can. But I you, can pref- that. you prefer the, the old style of boiling the eggs and all that. I'm an old it's, person. It's all about the process yeah, and debating what's the correct I, yes, order yes, of I operations. I like doing it myself without newfangled stuff. That's it. From Linda B. in eggs. Cape Coral, Florida. <laughs> Buy an egg cooker. Set it and forget it. The best invention ever. Look at your website. You're not a bad-looking guy, and you're not old. (laughs) (laughs) An egg cooker. This one she wrote is Dash. The Dash egg cooker. From Elizabeth Gardner in Austin, Texas. WFT fan, she writes, new name coming, 2222. Yeah, we know. We talked about it. One point to add to the boiling eggs email, adding eggs to boiling water and ice water after boiling. Valerie Bertinelli. And I add parenthetically who I've met. Valley Bertinelli also recommends hitting top, bottom, and sides of egg on counter before peeling. My eggs have all peeled perfectly since she outlined this method on her TV show, Valerie's Home Cooking, an excellent show on the Food Network. I do that. Now, I, in that I order? I try to crack them. Well, you know, you try to roll them around and crack them, sure. From Tim Cree in Fort Collins, Colorado. My grandfather had a trick that works to peel the shell off an egg without tearing the eggs to shreds. Take the egg, make a small puncture at the flatter end, not the pointed end, with an ice pick or sharp knife. Just a small puncture is enough. Blow into the hole, and the air separates the membrane from the shell. When you crack and peel, the shell won't stick to the egg. Alternately, you can peel all of the shell off the flat end, then make a hole in the pointed end, and blow into it as hard as you can, and you can blow the egg right out of the shell. <laughs> Who am I? I'm emailing a sports show about eggs. Oy vey. <laughs> but we like, we've always liked him. <laughs> Kurt Langle in Carroll, Iowa. I don't know if the kids still say LOL, but I literally LOL when you were discussing crypto and finished with the following quote. I'm reflecting on how old I am and wouldn't do this. Jackie sent me a great pair of socks. (laughs) That's it. That's the email. From Ryan McMillan in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. You think Matt Damon is trustworthy? How about George Clooney or Brad Pitt or Don Cheadle? Hope you don't own a casino. (laughs) He's referring, of course, to the Ocean's 11 series. Here's a haiku from Shad for crypto. A fine line between a pint of blueberries and pile of crypto coins. Yeah, that was the point I was making. That they just pay you off in blueberries. (laughs) What do they care? From Scott Feast or Feist in Scott Air Force Base in Illinois. First time listener, long time writer. Walked into Applebee's the other night for a table, wanted to put me on the list. They asked my name, to which I replied, doesn't everybody know my name? (laughs) Got a blank stare from Tiffany, the 17-year-old hostess with a flock of seagulls haircut. Yelling, Norm, didn't work either. Surprise, no sense of humor between the chomps on the bubblegum. This is a brilliant (laughs) email from Scott. It's a brilliant email. From Trey Watson in Lexington, Kentucky, listening to Wednesday's mailbag last week on the way out of town for a meeting. You read an email from a writer from Calumet Park, Illinois, and you said, that's where the horse farms are, right? Calumet is in Kentucky. To no one in particular in my otherwise empty car, I exclaimed, I know that farm. I'm literally directly across the street from the red light I'm currently sitting at. Calumet is next door to the beautiful Keeneland racetrack and across from the airport. You fly directly over it on approach for landing. Not exactly a David Aldrich moment, more like an American Pharaoh moment. Another great email. American Pharaoh, by the way, 10 years old today. Oh, wow. Ten years old today. From Mark Schaefer, who we know and we love. I don't really listen to your show for the sports. I appreciate the wide range of topics your program embraces. And so I was excited to hear your discourse on the American financial system. It did honor to the marvel that Alexander Alexander Hamilton set up centuries ago. Indeed, I was probably the most enthralled by your recitation of the denominations of American currency. The penny, the nickel, the dime, the quarter, the 50 cent piece, the dollar, the five, the 10, the 20, the 50, the 100, and the legendary thousand dollar bill. By way of appreciation, I would like to share with you my own list of denominations. Presbyterian, Baptist, Lutheran, Episcopalian, (laughs) Roman Catholic, Greek Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, Syrian Orthodox, Anabaptist, Mennonite, Congressionalist, Dutch Reformed, and of course Methodist. I hope that list has enriched your life in the same way that your list enriched ours. <laughs> I like that. From Robert Lou, L.E.W., in Napoleon, Ohio. Dear Dr. Gummy Bear, in answer to your question about whether there is a Huntsville, Ohio, I can confirm for you that there is. It's a small village of about 431 people. It was incorporated in December of 1865 and named for a government surveyor named Aaron Hunt. One notable resident of Huntsville may be familiar to you. Lillian Brown, the woman who, among her many accomplishments, did make up for nine U.S. presidents and wrote the books Your Public Best, The Polished Politician, and Speaking to be Understood. I'm sure you have a story or two about her, so I'll let you take over from here. I don't, actually, but I'm always happy to know. I'm happy when people tell me who's famous from their town. Yeah, it's always that fun. That makes me happy. From Ken Scudder in, but not from Philly. 
Dear distinguished Binghamton alum, the email asking if you knew of anyone who would be interested in coaching the NJIT bowling team shocked me for two reasons. One, because you were so nice to such a hated rivalry. Two, because you overlooked the most obvious candidate, a man who consistently bowls over 200, who knows plenty of famous athletes, who could give encouraging pep talks before big tournaments, and who even owns his own bowling ball. That's right, the next coach of the NJIT Highlanders bowling team should be none other than Michael Ray Wilbon. Just don't tell him that the campus is only four miles from I-95. Would be a great fit. From Lyle Wisner in Arnold, Maryland, on the subject of outlets, seven Sad. (laughs) From Aaron Bauman in Milwaukee. I recently read Gay Talisa's Frank Sinatra Has a Cold upon your indirect recommendation. It's one of the greatest magazine pieces ever for all time. On the subject of life-changing recipes, please see Dean Martin and Frank's world-famous burger recipes. Martin's Burgers, one pound ground beef, two ounces of bourbon chilled. (laughs) Preheat a heavy frying pan and sprinkle bottom lightly with table salt. Mix meat. Handling lightly, just enough to form into four patties. Grill over medium-high heat about four minutes on each side. Pour chilled bourbon in chilled shot glass and serve meat and bourbon on a TV tray. Sinatra's Burgers, one, call for Dino. Two, tell him to make it. Tell him to make you an effing burger. Three, drink his bourbon. Another one. From Lauren Helving. Dan Byrne is a genius. I hope you never quit inspiring him to write. Rope and a yardstick has been the only thing to knock. We don't talk about Bruno. You can ask Michael about this out of my head. Albeit temporarily as my four-year-old turns and canto on at least once a day. Tell me what that is. I don't know. The, oh, the, that must the be the movie. Dan- oh, oh, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the new movie. movie. And, well, there's no keeping that song out of your head for long. I do enjoy the break, though. And one more from Amy Fagan in Batavia, which is in upstate New York. Batavia, New York. As a Western New Yorker, I respectfully disagree with Phil and Wilbon. While the answer to all your questions is money, the answer to the biggest heartbreak in Buffalo is wide right, because that was for immortality, for a Super Bowl. My list is as follows. One wide right, two 13 seconds, three Music City Miracle, forward lateral, four no goal, 99 Stanley Cup Finals when Brett Hull's foot was in the crease when he scored the third in, in the third OT, and five Hale Murray. Now I need a drink. Feel free to send any of your alcohol freebies this way. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, after a really good list of emails, do wear white. I go from Marblehead to Revere. Revere! <laughs> Don't you want to go down, down to the quarter, down to the quarter? It's calling us to come on down to hear the music play. Watching the world go by But every now and then in the scheme of things Something's gotta give, something's gotta bring a little different pace A different taste, a menu never tried So what do you say? Let's take a ride Don't you wanna go down, down to the quarter, down to the quarter It's calling us to come on down Bonds 
his head. 